uh, chapter 23. And we'll be reading the entire chapter. Uh, typically we stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, but um, considering that it's a longer reading, we're going to stay seated. Uh, but please, if, if you have a moment, turn to First uh, Samuel 23, or it is in your uh, worship guide. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Calah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Calah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go against Calah and against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Calah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Calah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Calah. When Abiathar the son of Ahimelech had fled to David to Calah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Calah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go to Calah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And David said, O oh Lord, the God of Israel, your, servants, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Calah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Calah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O oh Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. The Lord said, you will come down. Then David said, will the men of Calah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? The Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Calah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Calah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Zip. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horish on the hill of Hekelah, which is south of Jeshimon? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into your king's, the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord. For you have had compassion on me. Go make me make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there, 
for it has told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph, ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, and there in the Arabah, to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went out to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on the side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. David was hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made raid, a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. This is thus far the reading of God's word. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would speak to us words of life and encouragement. We who are weary, who are tired, who are anxious, God, that you would speak words of promise and grace to us by your Spirit. I pray all this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Well, in thinking about this passage, I was uh, reminded of a movie called The Fugitive. It's an old 90s movie starring Harrison Ford. And the movie begins, he's, uh, Harrison Ford plays a doctor by the name of uh, Richard Kimball. And he begins by being charged of murder. Uh, charged of murder he didn't commit. This isn't a movie that you're, you're not sure if he committed or not. You know he's innocent. But he's charged and convicted and sent to prison. And shortly after that, he actually escapes. And so now he's a, he's a fugitive on the run. He's running against uh, the law. We, as an audience, know that he's innocent. But as far as the law is concerned and the people uh, in the city, he's not. So he's a fugitive. You know, I was just thinking about that because all the, the anxiety, you know, watching this film, you, you feel for him. You wonder how he's going to, to make it through that, that looming question. How is he going to pull through this? How is he going to make it through being a fugitive on the run, unable to trust anybody? You know, especially in this passage, because David is being treated like a fugitive, even though we know he's innocent. And I know none of us are running from the law, as far as I know. But we can all relate to that feeling of anxiety and fear and worry, you know, when the situation is tense and difficult, whether it's problems at home or problems in your marriage or problems at work or your struggle with uh, relationships. Or your own struggle with sin. You know, we, we face these periods in our life where it gets so intense and so difficult, that question comes to mind, how am I going to pull through this? How is God going to pull me through this? And some of you may be asking that question now. Some of you may, may be experiencing that right now. Or maybe you wonder, you know, you've, you've, you've struggled with sin and you've crossed the line. That you are guilty. That you are guilty of murder. And you realize that. 
And you're worried, does God love me enough? Does God love me now that I've done this? And you're living, waiting for the hammer to drop. Wherever you find yourself in that spectrum, I hope this message encourages you. Because David finds himself in a very bleak situation. And as we read the story, there's that question, how is he going to pull through? How is God going to bring him through this? You know, we know God has promised him the kingdom. God has promised him uh, the Messiah to come through. We know that, but still the situation is, is so hard and so bleak. How is he going to get through this? And the big idea of this message that even though life's circumstances might be bleak, God is faithful to keep us safe until the end. Even though life's circumstances might be bleak, God is faithful to keep us safe until the end. There are three things that I want to draw out. First is, God has promised to lead the way. And second, he, he strengthens us in the here and now. And the third is that he promises to keep us safe. So first, he promises to lead the way. Second, he strengthens us in the here and now. And third, uh, he promises to keep us safe. So here in the story, we, we um, come and David is in the wilderness. He's been driven out um, of, of his homeland. He's still in, in Judah, but he's on the run. He's on the run from Saul, who wants to kill him. And actually, he's just left the, the city of Nob. And if we remember in the last chapter, that's, that's the story where uh, Saul enters in and actually kills the priests of Nob for helping David out, even though they had no idea that's what they were doing. And so now he's, he's on the run, run with his men, but no one to trust, and in a very bleak situation. So first, God promises to lead the way. The story begins, and David is told that the Philistines are fighting against this city named Calah. It's a city that's um, in uh, Israel territory, belongs to uh, the kingdom, but it's on the border of the Philistines, which if you know, if you've, you've read the um, Old Testament, specifically this part of the Old Testament, the Philistines are a constant um, a difficulty with Israel. They're constantly coming and harassing and attacking um, the nation. They're, they're, they continue to be a problem. So David hears that the city is under attack, their economic growth is threatened, and their safety is even threatened. And it's interesting, David inquires of the Lord, so he actually initiates, and he asks the Lord if he should go and attack, which really shows David's character. You know, he, he has a, a character that wants to bring justice and, and protect the weak. And even though this is uh, a dangerous situation, so he inquires the Lord, and the Lord tells him that, yes, you can go against Kalah and save the city. David tells his men, but it's interesting that the men are terrified. His men are, and they, they say, you know, behold, we are here in Judah. How much more if we go in, against Kalah, against the army, or go to Kalah against the armies of the Philistines? You know, we have to, to show them some understanding and empathy. I mean, it's true. They're on their own. They're totally exposed at this point. You know, where they're at is not a very good place. So we can understand their response. You know, we're already, we, we have King Saul to deal with. We have to, you know, be in hiding. We need to make plans and arrangements for that. And now you're, you're talking about going against another enemy. You're talking about going against a greater and, and even more difficult enemy. 
requires planning, it requires strategy. We don't even know if we're going to win. You know, we can, we can understand that kind of response. And it's interesting the way David responds to that fear. Instead of just telling them, we're going to do it anyway, or listening to them and saying, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe this is a, a terrible idea. He goes to the Lord. He actually goes before the Lord and inquires him a second time, asks the same exact question. Can I, will we have victory over the Philistines? And it's interesting, God answers him, and he answers him with a promise. But first, I couldn't help but wonder, why, why did David ask the Lord again? You know, sure, maybe he was wondering for his men's sake, you know, to assure them and comfort them. You know, they're scared, they're terrified. That could be true. Maybe he's just wanting to give them assurance. Or maybe he himself is scared. Maybe he himself is wondering, you know what, those are really, really good points. And now he's second-guessing his decision. And so he's coming to the Lord for that assurance. He's coming to the Lord because he's wrestling with those fears and doubts and anxieties. And God answers him, not, not shamingly, not out of disappointment, but he gives him the same answer, and then he attaches a promise to it. He tells him, yes, you'll be victorious. Now that tells us a few things about the Lord. First, he's not afraid or or worried or surprised by our fear. He's not surprised by our doubts. He's big enough to handle those things. But second, he's gracious to us to meet us where we're at. He meets David where he's at, and he promises him victory. And so David goes. He responds to, to God's call. He goes, and he does gain the victory. And he receives blessings from it. They, you know, they, they, they take away um, a plunder from the Philistines. You know, so they're even a, in a better situation than they were before. And the word that's used for, for saved, you know, he saved the inhabitants of Keilah. It's the same word in 1 Samuel that's, that talks about God saving his people. You know, so in a sense, David was used to save, save the um, people, not just positionally, but God used them to deliver them. Now, we could look at this and, and, and conclude, you know, we should just be more like David. You know, we should, we should muster up the courage and the strength and the faith to just face our trials, face our, all the things that we're, we're going through and, and, and press forward. And there's some application here for sure. You know, David, David is showing courage. David is showing character. He is acting in faith. Those are all great things. That's true. But if we're honest, if I'm honest with myself, I can be more like David's men. You know, I respond to those things and say, oh, wait a second, hang on, hold the phone. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. You know, let's consider all the options before we, we make any rash decisions. You know, we respond, sometimes God leads us out into an area that's difficult and challenging and stretches us and it's, and it's scary and it's hard and it's, you know, our faith is challenged and oftentimes we respond in fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. So we have to, we have to wonder, what, what's our motivation then? What presses us through that? What, what gets us through all of that fear and anxiety? It's not just simply to be more like David, because David represents for us someone greater. David represents for us someone who's better than him. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the one who came down to 
save his people, even though he didn't have to. Even though God had no reason other than it's something he wanted to, to save us. And he saved us from our sin. All the pride, all the anger, all the selfishness, the the self-worth, idolatry, greed. He saved us from that. And he did it obeying the commandment of his Father. He went He went with the mission that his father had given him. And now we know that, as it says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, We are to run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So we're trusting in Jesus, who's actually gone before us, who's taken on the punishment and the penalty that we deserve. And now, although we face difficult and painful and hard things, we know that God has has gone before us, that He's actually going to bring us through. That even though we may not be experiencing that now, even though we may not be experiencing the blessing of of, um, the eternal life that Jesus has won for us, now, friends, we will be. That's something we will be experiencing and that God has promised us. And he's going to lead us through that. So all the difficulty and pain of life, Jesus is going to lead us through that. He's gone before us. And that's what gives us the faith and the courage to face uh, the realities of this life. Second is, he strengthens us in the here and now. You know, we might think that uh, David's one. He's safe. He's in a city with walls. You know, he has some sort of security. Things are looking good. You know, maybe everything's going to be coming up from here. But it actually doesn't. It actually gets worse. You know, it's, it's a, 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 it continues to be a bleak situation. Saul hears that David is in Kalah. He's found out where David is. And he actually pursues him. And he pursues him, it says, with all the people that are available and we don't know the number of that, that army, but it gives it a sense that this is, this is a big army that Saul is, is bringing against David. And more than that, so, uh, David asks the Lord, he, he inquires of the Lord through Abiathar, the priest, and he asks him again, is, are these people going to deliver me into the hands of, uh, of Saul? He actually asks this twice to the Lord. And the Lord tells him, if you remain in the city, these people will give you up. They will give you into the hands of Saul. So David leaves. David's back out in the open. He's away from security. He's away from a sense of, of safety. And now he's exposed. With 600 men, which, I don't know, 600 men would be kind of hard to hide. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not an easy situation that David finds himself in. We can't help but wonder how he felt about that. You know, here he's, he's saved the city. He's, he's done all this work. He's delivered them from the Philistines. And now he finds out they're going to give him up. You know, and we can't necessarily hold anything against them for that because we've seen what Saul does when he finds out that people have helped David. We saw that with Nob. And I'm sure the people knew that. And as far as we can see, David doesn't hold it against them. He doesn't, we, don't, we don't hear his thoughts or any conversations he has about it. But still, how hard that must have been. You know, all of this, all of this work and effort, and now he's back in the open. Now he's totally exposed. 
Now we have, at times, a, a bleak situation. You know, there's all sorts of, of problems we have. Maybe there's problems at home raising your kids. You, you experience all the difficulty and challenges of, of teaching them, of loving them, of raising them, and all these fears and thoughts and anxieties. What might happen to them? Things that you're facing. Maybe things with your marriage are stressful and tense. You give it all its work and its time and effort and energy and emotion and still it's hard. Still it's difficult and it seems bleak. Maybe things at work are stressful. You know, it's seemingly harder and harder to go to work because either a coworker or a boss is mistreating you. Or maybe you're just you're just struggling with your own sin. You know, the, the pride and the anger and the, the doubt and the fear and the, you know, the lust, addictions, whatever it is. And even though you try, you pray, you ask the Lord to take it away, it's still there. And you wonder, how, how much more can I take of this? What's the end for me? It's interesting even though we see God working behind the scenes, you know, Saul looks for David. He searches everywhere for him, but it says that God protects and, and keeps Saul from finding David. So there we get a, a glimpse, in a sense, God is working behind the scenes. But it's also interesting that God doesn't stop there with David. God actually meets him where he is, through Jonathan. God sends Jonathan to David to strengthen him. Which shows, just simply by that word, how it's used, the rest of Scripture, it's used to strengthen people who are weak. David is weak. He's scared. He's tired. Jonathan doesn't come to shame him. He doesn't come to say, you know, remember Goliath? You know, remember what God has done? Just have more faith. Just, just man up. He doesn't say that. The only things we hear Jonathan say is he speaks words of promise over David. He speaks words of grace. He promises David that even though your situation seems far away from what I'm about to say, Saul's not going to find you. Saul's not going to find you. Even though it feels like that and it seems like that, all the odds are stacked against you. Saul's not going to find you. And he also promises him, he reminds him the promises that God gave him, that you will be king. And he's so sure of that that he says, I'll be next to you. He's so confident in the promises of the Lord and wants to encourage David in that, that he even goes beyond that to strengthen David. And you know, friends, God does that with us. God meets us where we're at and he comes down to us to strengthen us, and he speaks words of promise to us. You know, as we heard earlier in this service, every Sunday we come, and when Rob pronounces the gospel over us, saying no matter what you've done, if you are trusting and coming under the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Friends, that is God meeting you and and breaking through the reality that you're experiencing and speaking words of promise to you. Words of life. Words of hope. No matter what you've done, your sins are forgiven you. When Rob preaches the gospel, God is speaking to us those, those words of life. When we, take, when we take the Lord's Supper, 
when we come and take of God's body and blood, what God is doing is lifting us up out of our reality and he's feeding us and he's ministering to us and he's showing his love to us. In the here and now, even though it doesn't feel like that, seem like that, that's what he's doing. That God is speaking to us words of promise that are outside of our reality. You know, these promises that Jonathan was giving David seemed so so outside the reality he was experiencing. He was nowhere near becoming king in his mind. I mean, he was, he was barely making it as it is. And yet, Jonathan speaks the realities that are outside of David's power and control. That's what God does with us. God speaks those realities that are not based on what we've done, but based on what Jesus has done. That's why we, we stress community groups. You know, we, we, we want this to be a part of our church because we want us to be getting together so that we can encourage and love and build one another up and speak those words of life and promise to one another. Because, friends, we need each other. I need you. I need your encouragement. I, I've, I've received that and been blessed by that, and I've seen it happening in this church. And so if you're not part of a community group and that's something that is available to you and you can pray about it and think about it, I would strongly encourage you because that's where God ministers and loves us through the ministry of one another. You can be that to each other. You can be that kind of friend that Jonathan was to David and strengthen uh, those around you in the Lord. Now what do we expect to happen from here? Okay, so Jonathan's come. He's... He's met David. He's encouraged him. You know, David feels lifted up and, and, and built up and strengthened. We might expect everything to be okay from here. You know, he's just promised him, you're going to be king. Saul's not going to find you. But actually, it gets even worse for David. It gets even harder. You know, we see a, a, a conversation sort of behind the scenes that David doesn't know about between the Ziphites and Saul. You know, they're they come to uh, Saul. The Ziphites are the people that are in the land that David is hiding in. So they come to Saul saying, we know where he's at. We know where he is. You can, you can come whenever you want. You know, it's this really kind of sinister conversation that we see happening between them. And Saul is asking for more, more um, data. And he's, he's wondering, he's curious. And actually we see we, we, Saul must have received what he wanted. The Ziphites might have found, must have found that information because then we see Saul pursuing after David. We see Saul running after uh, David. And that's interesting. You know, it's almost like a cat and mouse game. You know, the way the text is laid out, it's so intense. You know, Saul, David, Saul, David, verse 25 through 26. It's like a, it's like a movie. You know, every time David makes a move, he's running away. Saul's right behind him. You know, then David makes another move. Saul, Saul. So it comes around, and it's so intense that if we were to, once we get to verse 26, you know, it says that Saul begins closing in on him. We're like, oh my gosh. That's it. That's it for David. There's no way he's getting out of this. There's no way he's surviving. He's surrounded. I wonder if David was thinking that. This is it. He's done everything that he possibly could He's run every direction that he possibly could. Everything that is in his power, he's done. Now he's surrounded. He's completely overwhelmed. 
You know, this reminded me of a, um, a movie. It's We Were Soldiers. It's a movie about the, a war in Vietnam, and it's uh, a particular battle um, that took, took place there. Um, Mel Gibson stars in it. He plays the uh, Captain Hal Moore. He goes to Vietnam with a, a number of men, 400 men, to, um, to start uh, attacking the northern Vietnamese who were harassing a, uh, a local American base um, there. So he, he lands there with his men. He's helicoptered in. They're dropped off. And uh, pretty soon, as they're looking for intel, they find out that actually the, the enemy is much greater than they ever expected. It's in the thousands, and they have 400 men. And so pretty soon, they're, they're completely overwhelmed. You know, they're, they're being hit from all sides, and groups are being separated, and it's a very terrible uh, situation. And there's a scene in there uh, where um, they're completely surrounded, and Mel Gibson is, is looking around. He's scanning the territory, and the, the, the camera actually does this like 360 turn. He's looking around. Everywhere around him, there's explosions and fire and and shouts and screaming, and he's realizing we really are surrounded. We really are completely um, outnumbered. And he motions to his, or he, he calls out to his, his uh, uh, comrade who's on the phone with, with the command center, with headquarters, and he gives out this command called Broken Arrow. And at that time in the military, Broken Arrow meant that they were to call, it, it was a call for all available aircraft to come and basically lace the whole area with bombs and gunfire to protect the people that are being overwhelmed. Basically, just a last call for help. Send us everything you have, or else we're not going to make it. I wonder if that's what David was praying. This is a broken arrow situation for David. Completely overwhelmed. And maybe you've prayed that. This is it. You know, have you ever, you ever prayed to the Lord, Lord, you better pull through. I've got nothing left. I've given everything that I've got. And I'm totally gassed. I'm totally overwhelmed. There's nothing more I can do. Please, Lord, pull through. Well, what happens? Really, really fascinating. Verse 26 and, and verse 27 says that Saul's called off. At the last second, Saul's called off. Right before the hammer drops. A messenger comes to Saul and says, the Philistines are in the land. You know, you need to come back. And he pulls off. And so David names the place. This is common in, in the Old Testament when something significant and great happens. You know, the place that it happens, especially if God is at work, it's named for significance. And so David names the place the Rock of Escape. Another way to translate it is called the Rock of Divisions. You know, regardless of its escape or divisions, I think it communicates the same thing. It's basically separating one person or party from another. It's creating a divide and separation. And so David, in his experience knew that the Lord had separated him from Saul. And so actually, he writes in Psalm 18, uh, you know, if we read the header of, of Psalm 18, that Rob explained this uh, the other week, that you know, sometimes the Psalms give us, give us an idea of why the Psalm was written. 
You know, actually in Psalm 18, if you look at the header, it says it was written at a time when David experienced deliverance from his enemies, and especially from the hand of Saul. And I can't help but think that this must have been the experience, just how he begins the psalm. He writes in verse 1 and 2, he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Listen to all those nouns. All those nouns of protection, of safety, of of security, my stronghold, my strength, my shield. You know, even though this was a physical circumstance, David took that further and said, the Lord is the one who guards and protects me. Friends, this is true for you. If you're believing in Jesus, what David writes here is true for you. Even if you're experiencing such terrible situation, such terrible struggle and fear, this is true. You're standing on the rock of Christ. Now for David, it was, it was an actual separation. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God is always going to take us away from the experiences and trials that we go through. Sometimes He does. Sometimes He does. And He delivers us. And we've experienced that and seen that and, and, and we rejoice in that. But sometimes He lets it ride out. Sometimes He keeps us there. Not because He doesn't love us, not because He doesn't care for us. But even if that's true, even if your experiences doesn't change, you're still in the rock. You're still standing secure in Jesus. Friends, that's even true. That's, that's true even if you felt like you've lost. Even if you feel totally leveled out. Unlike David where he was actually rescued, you feel like you were overwhelmed. That you were defeated. That the sin and the struggle just was too hard to bear. It just choked you out. That even if that is true, you are still safe and secure in Jesus. And there is absolutely nothing that you can do to change that. There is nothing that you can do to change the security that you have in Jesus. No amount of sin, even if you commit the thing you were most afraid of committing, or you never thought you would ever say that thing to your spouse or to your kid, you never thought you would ever do that, even if you cross that line, if you are trusting in Jesus, He's still your security. He's still that rock of escape. You know, when we sin, and we, we, we feel like we've offended God, we often think, I need, to, I need to clean my act up. I need to just muster up the courage. And then I can go before Him. And then I can pray to Him and worship Him. You know, we're not quite right yet, so let me, give me some time. And let me work on this. But friends, the gospel comes to us who are broken. Who have absolutely nothing to give. You know? But God speaks to us with, with words of life. And He secures us uh, in Jesus. So even though the circumstances might be bleak, and I know sometimes they're so hard and so difficult, it's so hard to see the end, it's so hard to make it through. God is faithful to keep us safe until the end. He's promised to lead the way. No matter what happens, 
to lead you through it. He strengthens us in the here and now speaking words of promise to us. And He promises to keep us safe. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank You. Lord, You are God who speaks over us words of life and promise that meets us where we are. Meets us in all of our struggle and pain and discouragement. And meets us in our joy. Lord, meets us in the good times and the hard times. Lord, we thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for how much You love us. It's not dependent on who we are or what we've done, but it's solely dependent on what Jesus has done. Lord, be with us the rest of this service. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.